Michael Vonnen. Happy Hobbit Day 2022. I and several other YouTubers, as usual, are doing a video specifically for Hobbit Day this year, so the link to the playlist for all of those videos will be in the description below. Make sure you check them all out. In my video, what I want to talk about is the uniqueness of Frodo as a hero in The Lord of the Rings. And this got inspired by a question from my September live stream in which one person asked, why is it that Frodo is so underappreciated? And part of the question involved the fact that in Peter Jackson's adaptation, Frodo becomes a lot less active and much more passive, which is certainly true. But even in the original story, Frodo doesn't seem like your typical hero character. And so, at the end of the story, he also is underappreciated by the people in his own story. And as a result, I think this points to some of the unique factors that make Frodo different as a hero that I think are pretty interesting. And I'm also going to discuss a parallel in modern storytelling to the type of hero that I think Frodo is and explain why I think this kind of hero has, it may have become a thing at one point, but very quickly fell out of fashion. And so, while in a sense, Frodo is a very modern type of hero, it was a very short-lived modernism that <laughs> is really no longer with us. So, first of all, let's take a look at the kind of hero Frodo isn't. Most heroes, when you look at ancient heroic stories, are great warriors or, you know, mighty men or even demigods like Hercules. You've got all these kinds of heroes who can do just absolutely unworldly things. Beowulf fights monsters barehanded. You know, Hercules is a demigod who can, you know, wrestle the Hydra and knock off its heads. You've got, you know, even Ulysses, who is a mere mortal, can do, you know, really interesting things, even when most of what he's doing is just with his brain. But it's he's achieving a lot of really fantastical almost feats and defeating great monsters or you know sorceresses or you know Ulysses gets in a lot of different adventures and defeats a lot of different monsters. But Frodo is none of those things, and most modern heroes aren't you know that kind of character unless we're getting into the world of comic book heroes, in which case that kind of hero still lives on in that context. A more modern type of hero is someone who comes from humble origins, manages to do, you know, something beyond what you would expect based on their, you know, their history or their background, and therefore becomes the hero of a story. And you could look at some characters even in the comic book world that are kind of like this, like Captain America. You know, he starts as a nobody who's kind of a wimpy guy, but then because of, you know, interventions that happen in his life, he becomes a greater hero and does things. But you don't even have to go there. You've got other heroes who do things that are similar to that without becoming super-powered. So Sam Gamgee actually is a good example of this. He's a gardener, and... He's got nothing particularly going for him in the way of wits or, you know, strength or anything, really, 
other than playing Hobbit since, as he calls it. And yet he ends up being one of the greatest heroes of the story because of sheer dogged perseverance, essentially. And there's, you know, tons of stories in the modern age of humble origin heroes who go off and do this. This is pretty much in contrast to the older stories where most of the heroes were, you know, nobility or demigods or, you know, something like this. Frodo fits into neither category. He is neither a humble origins hero, nor is he a great person hero. He is, in a sense, in the humble origin category because he's a hobbit, but he's not, like Sam, a gardener. He is practically nobility in terms of who the hobbits are. And he also doesn't achieve a lot of things in his story. Sam achieves a lot of things, and by that I mean he kills Shelob. He manages to pull Frodo and himself through most of Mordor just on, you know, just (laughs) stubbornness, more or less. And Frodo doesn't do any of these things. Most of what Frodo does in the story is just kind of make decisions, and then when it comes to achieving the really difficult tasks, mostly it's Samwise who pulls him through that, and he's kind of relying on Sam to do it for him and to kind of be his motivation. That's not to say that Frodo is completely passive in the book, of course, because he's not. He he is much more active in the book than he is in the movie, and in fact, in, in the movies, he is stripped of even active things like stabbing the cave troll. In the book, he actually runs up to the cave troll when it sticks its foot through the door in Moria, and, you know, stabs it with his foot. And then, on Weathertop, he even attacks the Witch King. And he resists the Witch King, you know, when he's at the ford of uh, Rivendell. There are things that Frodo does that are much more active than what we get in Peter Jackson's movie, but, you know, we just... They don't achieve much of anything, is my point. He is active, but he doesn't defeat great enemies, he doesn't overcome great obstacles on his own. None of this happens with Frodo. But he's the protagonist of the story, and certainly he is one of the two main heroes, we would say. The interesting thing is, Tolkien provides us with the two versions of the other types of heroes, because we have Sam on one hand, and then we have Aragorn, on the other hand, Aragorn is very much in that classic vein of a Beowulf-type hero. He's already great, he does more great things, he gets the great reward at the end. You know, I mean, he he does a lot of kind of superhuman stuff. Sam doesn't do anything superhuman, but he achieves magnificent things because of the, the values that he has, his loyalty, his humility, and all these other things that are very modern type of hero qualities, which you wouldn't find in a Beowulf. Beowulf is not humble. Beowulf, in you know, in no sense of the word, is ever expresses humility. He brags about himself. I mean, let's face it. So, Samwise is very much on the opposite end of the spectrum from Aragorn, and it's not that Aragorn is particularly arrogant or braggadocious or anything, but he's not humble either. I mean, he kind of hides his identity, but that's more out of a sense of stealth than out of, you know, I don't want to show off who I am. 
So Tolkien gives us both of those types of heroes, but he also gives us a third type of hero in Frodo. So what is it that makes Frodo a hero if he's not a great person who achieves great things, but he's also not a humble person who achieves more than what you would necessarily expect of him? Let's sort that out. So the main things that we see Frodo actually doing in the story that have a significant impact on how the plot plays out are really in terms of his decision-making, his wisdom, and his moral courage. That's really what his role in the story is. And this is another area where Peter Jackson also strips him of agency, because as early as Bag End in the book, Frodo is making the decision on his own to leave the Shire and you know, leave it behind with the ring so that the Shire is no longer endangered and Sauron can't just find it. Gandalf leaves this decision up to him in the book, whereas in the movie, Gandalf, you know, basically tells him what to do because Frodo's like, what must I do? So Frodo in the movie really does get stripped of basically all agency except for the one decision where, you know, he says, I will take the ring to Mordor, which is fine in a sense. That's the main decision that he makes in the story in one way, but it's it's taking a lot out of him because... The point of Frodo is that throughout the story, he is constantly making decisions that are not easy decisions to make. He decides to leave Bag End. He decides to leave Rivendell. He decides not to kill Gollum, which, in fairness, he does that in the movie as well. But there was really no way around that. <laughs> uh, there's many decisions that he makes, and most of the decisions that he makes have to be made in the context of how do I simultaneously make the right decision and not go off path and not fall victim to one of either two, you know, extremes. Like, you could try to just hide it forever, or you could try to, you know, do something completely reckless. Frodo has to navigate between those two extremes and find the right way to achieve his goals. And it's not that any of these decisions he makes necessarily makes or breaks the quest in and of itself, but any one wrong step could lead down a much more dangerous path. And another way that we see him doing kind of a similar thing is when he's talking to Faramir for the first time, he's having to step up his wisdom in terms of, I have to be able to reveal enough to this guy to satisfy him without giving away what I'm doing because I'm not really allowed to tell him what my actual purpose here is because the ring is supposed to be a secret. And so he has to navigate that and give very smart responses to Faramir. And Faramir acknowledges, you you know, you spoke well in a difficult place. You did a good job there. He also kind of knocks Sam a little bit by saying, you know, don't speak before your master who is wiser than you. <laughs> Which, you know, we can we can give Faramir a pass there because Sam does get kind of indignant which, in fairness, is partially because he wakes up in the middle of a long conversation. But even beyond that, Frodo is still making decisions like this. Some of the decisions that Frodo makes are at the very end of the story, where in the scouring of the Shire, he is telling the hobbits, you know, we're not going to kill anybody if we can help it. We're, you know, no hobbit has ever killed another that we know of, and we're not going to start now, even the bad hobbits. And he even tries to keep them from killing the men who have come in at Saruman's behest and started, 
you know, oppressing the hobbits. And he does this because the society that the hobbits have is one which has been so peaceful for so long, he doesn't want to start introducing this kind of vengeful, you know, killing type of thing. It's like, okay, if we have to kill them in self-defense, that's one thing, but we want to avoid it if possible, which is why they give as many opportunities to the men to just lay down their arms and surrender as they can, which they don't, and they do end up having to kill them. He even says we're not going to kill Saruman or Wormtongue, because, and in this case, it, it's not so much for the same reason. It's, as stated by Frodo, Saruman is of an order of being that I don't really have the the level of authority to deal with. He's beyond what we're supposed to do, and so we're not going to mess with that. There's other people that'll deal with Saruman at the end of the day. And so this is him recognizing in various cases a certain type of wisdom that leads to restraint, ultimately. His decisions lead to a lot of restraint. And that kind of restraint is important. And it's, you know, the kind of thing that most people today don't really manage to do, especially on social media. It's hard to find anybody who's restrained on social media. It's hard to find any hero who's ever restrained in any kind of story. Most heroes in stories these days are whether they're the superhero type of thing in a comic or whatever, are not restrained at all. They are guns blazing, going out and just, you know, kicking down doors, beating up people and whatever else. You very rarely get the nuanced moral choice that you have to figure out, okay, how do I go about this the right way for the optimal result? That usually gets kind of blurred out in most stories these days, and there's an obvious, well, this just has to get done, and therefore we're going to do it, as opposed to Frodo, who is constantly put in situations where it's not really obvious, necessarily, what the right decision is, but he has to figure it out. As a result, he is underappreciated in the Shire because most of his decision-making was restraining the hobbits from doing the vengeful kind of thing that they wanted to do, Merry and Pippin get a lot more credit, and even Sam gets a lot more credit, because they take a more active role in kicking out the intruders from the Shire and leading, you know, kind of the combat edge of that sort of thing. So Frodo gets underappreciated in the Shire, and I think, for similar reasons, is underappreciated in just our modern world, because... I don't think people focus in enough to realize how important Frodo's model is. And here's where I want to bring in the parallel example that I thought of when I was contemplating this type of hero that Frodo is, and that's Henry Fonda's character from 12 Angry Men. Now, if you haven't seen 12 Angry Men, you really should if you can find the opportunity. It's a story of 12 jurors who have to render a decision in a murder case, and the entire scene, or the entire movie, is shot in just a jury room with, you know, like an adjacent bathroom. But, I mean, they never leave this area until the very end of the story. And Henry Fonda's role is that of a person who is bucking against the other 11 jurors who are all like, well, it's just obvious, let's just convict the guy. And Henry Fonda's like, well, I'm not so sure we're beyond a reasonable doubt yet. And everybody hates him for it (laughs) at first. But he sticks sticks to his ground, and he basically says, well, 
I have a few issues that I want to at least talk about. And in the progress of the movie, he keeps bringing up issues, and one by one by one, he convinces other jurors, who then also start to think about their own experience of the trial that they witnessed and think, you know, there's another small issue that might be a problem for the prosecution's case. And, you know, it just goes and goes and goes. And in some cases, what some of the jurors are dealing with is their own prejudices. In some cases, it's just like, I want to get to the baseball game. In some cases, it's just, you know, it seems obvious on the face of it. So why do we even need to think about it? And Henry Fonda is that still small voice in, in the story that is, but we need to actually really think about it. We need to put some thought into this. We're dealing with a man's life. It's not something that we should just rush into. We ought to take our time and do it. And Henry Fonda is, like Frodo, not completely passive in the story. It's not just a story about talking. Because it turns out Henry Fonda, in, and this is not really much of a spoiler because this comes out very early in the, in the movie, in the very early proceedings, one of the points of contention is the knife that was apparently used as the murder weapon was this really unique knife, and who would have a knife like that? And so he's like, you really think it's that unique? And they're all like, well, yeah. And then he pulls out one exactly likes it, like it and you know, puts it on the table. And he says, I went out looking and found this just at a pawn shop. Like, how hard is it to find you know, this knife? Maybe not so you know, hard as you might think. So he's doing things like Frodo taking actions, not just talking, but his actions aren't achieving like great magnificent things, but they do achieve something and they are important for the progression of the story. And so what I'm getting at here is Henry Fonda's character in this, and none of the characters are ever really named in the movie. They're just kind of juror number one, two, three, four, five, you know. His character in the movie is a pretty good parallel for Frodo because most of what he's doing is navigating between the two extremes. It's like there's an obvious set of people who just think that, you know, the conviction just ought to happen because the evidence is overwhelming. And then he's clearly innocent. He never says, I think he's clearly innocent. Although I think in the back of his mind, he may be thinking that he is, or at least that he's probably innocent. But he's at least, his argument at least, is only that I don't think that there's enough proof here to take this action. And that reminds me so much of Frodo in The Scouring of the Shire, because Frodo's like, look, yes, what these people have done is wrong, but we don't want to go to the extreme of committing vengeful killings or any of this other stuff, we want our Shire to be the way it was before, and killing out of vengeance isn't going to get us there. That's just going to kind of change the entire mental landscape of everybody in the Shire, and it'll never be the same. So, to me, these two stories are very parallel in that they are acting as a restraining force and also because they are the voice of reason in an otherwise unreasonable situation. The hobbits around Frodo are all up in arms, literally and figuratively, and ready to do pretty much anything. 
the jurors in 12 Angry Men, other than Henry Fonda, are initially ready to just convict without putting any real thought into what they're doing. And it's only Frodo, or Henry Fonda, that really steps them back from the situation and says, hey, think about what you're doing for a minute and pay attention. And I think this has a lesson for our broader society, because like I said earlier, people don't tend to act with a whole lot of restraint. A lot of this is because of the way that our society has become completely polarized over the last several years, and nobody on either side is willing to look charitably at the other side and say, you know, why do you think that? Do you maybe have some kind of point? And, you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but we shouldn't immediately jump to the conclusion that if you disagree with me on this issue, you must just be bad. You know, if I'm right-wing, then you must just be woke if you disagree. If I'm left-wing, you must be a right-wing white supremacist. Or, you know, whatever the case is, both sides have a tendency to jump to the absolute worst conclusions about the people they're talking to without engaging at all. And in some cases, that may be accurate. You know, some people on the right who see what people on the left say may be right in accusing some of those people of being, you know, fairly, you know, far left. And people on the left who see what some right-wing people say may be accurate in thinking that they're pretty far right. But what happens is you tend to lump everybody in the same extreme other category and not really recognize when some people are closer to the middle or even maybe on your side slightly, but just disagreeing on a particular point. So I think what we need to do is realize, like Frodo and like Henry Fonda, every case needs to be adjudicated on its merits, and we need to think about the consequences of what we're doing. We shouldn't just jump in guns blazing like your typical action hero, or like, say, a Beowulf. But that doesn't mean we all have to be, you know, like Sam either. All of us can be in the position of Frodo, because all of us ultimately are always in the position of having to make moral judgments and moral choices. Not necessarily every minute of every day, but sooner or later you have to make those judgments. Sam's job is not necessarily to make those kinds of judgments. Aragorn's job is not even to make judgments, it's to do the really big heroic things like a Beowulf. But we can all be Frodo, at least at some point in our lives. And I think that is one of the best lessons that Tolkien has to teach us in The Lord of the Rings. Frodo is a model for everybody, because we all end up in that position at some point. And so that's why Frodo is a unique and underappreciated but very important type of hero. And that said, this will wrap up my Hobbit Day video for 2022. Social links are in the description as usual. And until the next time, I'm the Tolkien Geek, signing out for the Tolkien Lore Channel. Namarie. Thanks to all my Patreon and Utreon supporters, including Ringbearers Ego Voice and Emir Ali, and Elf Friends PA Brew News, Tracy Meehan, Nathan DeFore, and Paul Leone.